0: This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit org.
1: Well, welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast, helping take your leadership to the next level. And here to help us do that, the one and only Dr. Richard Blackaby. Good to be with you, Sam. Good to be with you too, Richard. Um, you've got a sort of a monumental... Uh, uh, task ahead of you in, in, in about a week, and uh, you're running your first half, half marathon. marathon. I know. I never thought I'd see the day, Richard, I, to be well, honest. You owe ye of little faith. <laughs> if you go back to yeah. the first, maybe. Two or three episodes of this podcast a couple yeah. of years ago, you, you were, were
0: mocking me. My...
1: But, I, but I wasn't mocking you. <laughs> I, I, I was just uh, maybe just poking a little and, and uh,
0: yeah, I, jesting. Then I couldn't even run a five k. Yeah, without, that was uh, that was the goal. I remember
1: yeah. in, in episodes was just one, just and run two. A 10,
0: yeah, and then a ten k was like my long term goal. Yeah, and I did that last July, and then I got up to ten miles just about a week ago. Yeah.
1: Uh, so just one pandemic later, and here you yeah. are.
0: Running, (laughs) trying to bring something good out of a lot of Running a half marathon. So yeah, so this coming Sunday actually, I'll be uh, the half marathon, and uh, it'll be I I don't know. I've never I've never run more. I've only run ten miles once, and so this is uh, three miles more than that. But it's kind of funny the way they do that. The the, the pre-training, if you're going to run thirteen point one miles, they tell you don't ever run more than ten kind of in training and then yeah. on the day you add three miles to your longest run It's yeah. kind of a but funny... once you
1: get into that territory it's like well, what's another three miles
0: yeah well we'll see we'll find out <laughs> soon enough what another three miles oh, you'll, yeah you'll feel those last <laughs> yeah. three miles well i yeah. was feeling yeah. the last nine and ten miles there the other day but <laughs> yeah that was uh i i was pushing it to the limit so
1: well you know r- running it, it helps uh to give you perspective
0: yeah i, I will tell you you know the blow my own horn cuz i haven't run the half marathon yet but uh even running 10 miles uh really was a push for me but uh you know th- to me it's it's about finding something that y- you have to uh, set goals and will yourself to do like yeah. and uh i i think everybody should have some kind of stretch goal just you know what it could be learning a language yeah. uh, learning to play the piano or an instrument or uh but something that is hard and that pushes you, and is a worthy goal, and something worthwhile to to, yeah. to achieve and accomplish. And uh, and so for me, I guess the last little bit it's been now. It's uh, to run a half marathon. I have got no illusions. Don't just slap me if I even mention thinking about a full marathon. But <laughs> half marathon to me is sort of like I always thought maybe that would be really that's my stretch goal. And I don't plan to run a lot of those, but. I'd like to have at least run one. Yeah. And uh, I think 10, uh, 10K is c- kind of a nice nor- sort of normal stretch for me. But anyway, I-, I think for our listeners, I would challenge every one of you listening uh, to this podcast, what is the stretch goal you- you're pushing yourself for right now? Yeah. Uh, always have something that you're trying to do.
1: Well, and you can do it either within your wheelhouse, within your skill set. You can push yourself even higher. Or you can do something outside your skill set. Yeah, that's going to be hard. Right, and it might and be it, harder. It's outside yeah. your skill set. So. Exactly, and so I, I yeah. think there's a lot of ways that we can push ourselves. I
0: think it, it it engages your brain differently too. You know, yeah. uh, things like a language and stuff. Sometimes you're, you might be really good at one area of. Thinking, but then this area uses brain cells that don't normally don't get put into to motion. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and all that can uh, can bring perspective to one's (laughs) life. Nice segue there, Sam. Yeah, yeah, I want to talk in this podcast just a little bit about perspective. It's uh, there's just a couple of things. So next week I've got another kind of uh, issue like that as well, but. Um, there's an interesting story, I, I, I mentioned it before, of uh, Dwight Eisenhower. Uh, when he was getting ready uh, for D-Day, he was over in England and they were moving all the forces over there ready to do that uh, huge, huge invasion of the continent. And uh, his, uh, his son uh, w- had joined the army and his son was the lowest ranking officer that you could be in the, in the uh, U.S. Army and of course Eisenhower was the highest ranking officer that you could <laughs> be in the army and so they're walking around so he's got his son kind of over visiting with him and so they're out walking around uh the base where they were and of course every 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 soldier that walks by and sees the the top top commander walking with his son they're all saluting him and uh and so his son you know has these officers saluting in his direction too and so he feels that he needs to also salute but of course no one really cares about him he's like the lowest possible officer you could be and but he but he's kind of a little discombobulated to say well so he finally says to his dad well we got to figure out the system here because you know you're such a high ranking the highest ranking military officer and and uh, you know i'm not at your rank obviously and so when someone uh salutes in our direction what do we do and and eisenhower just said to his son well son there's nobody in this on this in in this entire country in this entire theater who ranks lower than you <laughs> he said you are the lowest ranking officer that there is that uh and he said and there's no one in this theater who ranks higher than me so he said i'm at we're at the two extreme ends uh and uh and, and eisenhower w- wasn't really fretting about it. It, the, the, it was the low, the, the flunky, the young guy just starting out that was all uptight about protocol and what do you do. And uh, and I, I always sort of got a kick out of that to think the, the two perspectives, the one leader just starting out and all stressed out about all these different things. And then the veteran guy at the top who've been at it for a while, mm-hmm. totally different perspective. So they're, they're both having the exact same thing happen to them. They're walking side by side, but they're seeing it completely differently. Yeah. And it just reminds me that in life, especially as a leader, we, we kind of go through stages in our life. We, we, we start out, obviously, as young leaders. For most of us, we, we start out leading young. And the longer we're at it and in the game, uh sometimes our perspective changes. And I think both perspectives have uh merit to them and and cautions to them. And what I wanted us to do is just look for a moment at uh the life of Moses. And I think that uh we're we're very familiar with these stories, but there's there's two kind of interesting perspectives on him, and one is found in Acts chapter seven. In Acts seven of course, is the is the sermon that Stephen, the the um, uh, the deacon, if you will, is uh, is going to preach right before he gets stoned to death. <laughs> this this sermon is not going to go well, and he's going to end up dead as a result of it. But uh, but but in chapter seven, at a certain point, about verse twenty, he says, "At this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight," which I think is kind of a cool phrase. Uh, He was cared for in his father's home for three months. When he was put outside, Pharaoh's daughter adopted and raised him as her own son. So Moses was educated in, in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in his speech and actions. When he was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. When he saw one of them being mistreated, he came to, to his rescue and avenged the oppressed man by striking down the Egyptian. He assumed his people would understand that God would give them deliverance through him, but they did not understand. The next day he showed up while they were fighting and tried to reconcile them peacefully, saying, men, you are brothers. Why are you mistreating each other? But the one who was mistreating his neighbor pushed Moses aside, saying, Who appointed you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me the same way you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When he heard this, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian. Mm. Um, Interesting uh, account. And there's a couple of things that are are kind of interesting about this. Of course, one in verse 22, uh, Stephen says that Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And of course the Egyptians are the, uh, the, the world superpower at the time, uh, very influential and, um, and powerful and, uh, sophisticated. He's got the best education basically that's available at the time. Right. He's got an MBA from Harvard, if you will. Uh, and, uh, uh, and it says he's powerful in his speech and actions. Now, Which is interesting. It's interesting because we're going to see in a moment that in Exodus chapter 4, he's going to argue then, 40 years later, that he is not eloquent of speech. He says, I'm not a good speaker. But in, 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 in when he's 40, when he's essentially a young man, the Bible says he was actually quite eloquent. He's powerful in speech and powerful in actions and very well educated. Uh, and so, uh, but then when he, basically the first time he tries to lead, you know, he, 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 finally when he's about 40, he's got all of his education, all of his trainings behind him. He decides maybe it's time to get in the game here. So he goes to visit his Israelite brethren and uh, sees an Egyptian mistreating uh, a Hebrew, and ultimately kills the Egyptian. And uh, the next day he comes, and it's like, okay, I'm starting to try to help my people here. I'm this powerful speaker and leader, and uh, now what else can I do to fix things? And he sees two Hebrews, uh, one, one kind of oppressing the other. He steps in to, to fix that, and, uh, and it's not received well. And it's interesting. It says he assumed his people would understand that God would give them deliverance through him. Of course, he thinks I. I was raised in Pharaoh's home. Like I've got the best education of any Hebrew on the planet. Uh, I've got connections. Uh, I'm. I've got all the degrees, uh, the training. Uh, if there's anyone that should is groomed and obvious to be a leader, it's me. And and it should be obvious to them. But uh, when he speaks up with his eloquent speech. Instead of people recognizing that he is uh, obviously gifted and the man for the hour, uh, they, he, they, the guy sort of mocks him, pushes him aside, ignores him, says, I, you know, basically I'm not going to follow you. And, uh, and, and basically Moses is going to run to the wilderness and spend the next 40 years shepherding sheep. Uh, from being a prince in the most powerful country in the land, he's going to go to being a shepherd of sheep in the back side of the desert for 40 well, and it years. it sounds like
1: that was a self-imposed, self-inflicted um period of his life cuz I don't know that he had to necessarily flee.
0: Well, it says, you know, in Exodus, I think it says that the that Pharaoh sought to kill him. So, I mean, I think he was he was put on as a wanted man, which I, it's kind of funny that Pharaoh would do that. He raised him as a uh, as like a grandson, I guess, but yeah. uh but it it says he he was a marked man, and I guess he word got out that what he'd done and uh and you but you know i there there's several things I think about Moses in his early days that I think are interesting uh one is he was overconfident, he looked at his education uh and so on, his youth, his vigor, his enthusiasm, his energy level. His physical strength, his mind is working sharp, and he figures, uh, "Boy, I can take on the world. You yeah. know, I can change the world. I, I can move mountains." Uh, but he—it's con—it's confidence without experience. He's never done any of this before. And I can tell you, there are a lot of people getting their MBAs or getting uh, their their masters of theology degrees in seminaries yeah. that have all these dreams of the businesses they're going to start when they finish their degree, or the church they're going to start or grow, and and uh, sometimes even parents, you know, are anticipating being uh, having their first child and what a great parent they'll be, and uh, but no one told them about. Uh, colic <laughs> and, uh, and babies that cry hour no, after hour yeah, no all one night and the sleepless uh, nights that would be
1: involved. Yeah.
0: And just the, uh, th- all the stress. And, uh, when people don't just respond to your leadership, you know, wait a minute, I'm the boss here. I'm the, I'm the manager. You, you're supposed to just recognize my infinite wisdom and do what I say, but instead they're resisting. They're arguing with me. Uh, they're not following through and doing what uh, I told them to do. Uh, and so there's a there's overconfidence. Uh, in a lot of times for spiritual leaders, there's a shallow walk with God. A lot of young guys, um, they they tend to be action oriented and think, you know, I well, sure, I'll pray, but I'm going to get out there and make it happen. Yeah. We don't really hear Moses talking to God back in that day, we don't hear Moses praying and saying, God, what should I do with these Hebrews that are fighting? He just assumes he knows Mm. and doesn't necessarily rely upon God. Uh, he just kind of figures, Hey, I've got the best education around. I'm a man of action. Uh, I'll just, I'll handle this myself. And of course, the highest ranking Hebrew. Yeah. He, it, uh, and it blows up in his face. Uh, and sometimes when you're young, you have unrealistic expectations. You you just assume, well, I'll do this and they'll do that, and uh, it won't take a lot of effort, or it, we'll just people will be reasonable, they'll be rational, they'll recognize what's good for them, and they'll be glad that I I'm going to work it out on their behalf. Uh, and then it doesn't work out that way. And so what happens sometimes is that, especially when we're younger, we. Our, our our own self image is not always very accurate. Sometimes we have a too high a view of ourselves, and we're we're too confident. Our our confidence level is not really based on experience, um, and uh, and and because of that, we 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 expect the wrong things. And what what you realize in a nutshell for him is, number one, Moses didn't know people very well. He assumed he knew people, and he knew how to work with them, and and how they would respond. But he hadn't done a lot of work with people yet, at least that we know of. Uh, certainly hadn't worked with the Hebrews before. And, um, and and so when you don't know people well, if, if all you know about people is what you read in books, uh, you've got a lot to learn still. Yeah. And it, it also, he didn't know himself very well. Uh, hmm. Here, this guy is so confident. He's a prince of Egypt, and he's uh, well-educated and trained. And basically, he has experiences one failure, and it so demoralizes him that he spends 40 years in hiding as a result. How can you go from being this prince swaggering around the country and, and then one failure is all it takes to rattle you and you assume that you're, you're done, that uh, it's impossible? Mm. And, uh, and, you know, sadly, I, I, I would just say, especially for younger leaders, be very careful about those failures because failures are going to happen. Uh, and how you handle that failure is going to mean everything. Uh, for some people, they tried once; it didn't work. They've never tried it again. Thirty years later, uh, and the fact is, if, like I've, I, I've talked to to some young pastors who, the first church they went to was a completely dysfunctional church. Uh, Satan had a hand, you know, just a, under lock and key. And, uh, and and these young, naive, sort of optimistic people uh, had no idea that God's people could be so ugly and so wicked at mm. times, and they chewed him up and spit him out. And so the pastor assumes, I guess I'm just not called into ministry. Uh, I guess I'm just not good at this. Well, the fact is, even a veteran pastor, would have really struggled with people that carnal, uh, power structures that entrenched over the years. Yeah. But because they had an early failure, now they see themselves as a failure, and they go into exile like Moses and, and walk away, and it's tragic oftentimes. Uh, and so they make the wrong assumptions about themselves, They're overconfident maybe to begin with, and then demoralized afterward, and both Perspectives aren't actually accurate, mm. and so, and then lastly, Moses just didn't know God very well. So he didn't know people well enough. He didn't know himself well enough, and he didn't know God well enough. Uh, and of course, you don't expect that from necessarily a young leader just starting out. Right. Um, but but you you've got to be aware of that. You've got to be aware to say, I don't know God like I should. I better be spending a lot of time trying to get to know Him and praying and seeking His counsel and guidance. Uh, and uh and i don't know people as well as i should i need to be asking a lot of questions i need to be talking to veteran leaders and getting their perspective and advice on things and uh and i don't know myself you you think you're an expert on yourself but we often deceive ourselves we often make assumptions a lot of times, people don't challenge us on our own self-perception. Like, I assume that, Sam, you know yourself well, so even when you say things that might seem kind of inconsistent to me, I just assume, well, but I mean, who am I to say, Sam? Are you sure that, you know, that's how you are? Are you sure you're good at that? You you, you talk like you're good at that, but I've not seen it, you know? But but we tend to not do that and challenge people about their view of themselves. Right. I assume you're an expert on yourself, but... Uh, so, we can end up with some real blind spots because no one, especially in our young days, has said, Hey, you, you need to, I think you need a bit of humbling there, my friend. Or, uh, yeah,
1: you're actually not that good.
0: Yeah, that? <laughs> I was saying, I, I'm not quite sure how to say this, em, but <laughs> there's yeah. still room for improvement. Uh, and so, you know, I, you're vulnerable at times as a young leader. And I think Moses was obviously. And it cost yeah. him 40 years in the wilderness uh, for him to grow up in the process.
1: let's take a quick break here, and we'll come back. Once a quarter, Richard Blackaby gives a conference call devotional for Marketplace leaders in partnership with Workforce Ministries. Connect with this call via Zoom or on the telephone. The next call will be held on Wednesday, February 24th at noon Eastern time. Visit WorkforceMinistries.org for the phone number and for the Zoom link. Links will also be in the show notes. All right, Richard, well, um just as we close here uh, what what are some other takeaways from
0: from this experience with Moses that, uh, that well, we can apply yeah i well so we looked at acts 7 and Stephen's take on Moses but then you get to acts or uh, exodus chapter 3 and 4 and you see the other side now Moses is 80 he's he's had he's an older guy now mm-hmm. And of course, it famously in, in Exodus three, he encounters God in a burning bush, and God says, "I'm, I'm going to deliver the Israelites from Egypt, and uh, Moses, I'm going to use you." And uh, right away, for for two chapters, Moses argues and frets and comes up with excuses, and uh, and he says, "Well, who, you know, who am I that you would do that? I'm just a shepherd. That's all I am." And uh, and uh, and then he gets to chapter four, and he says, in uh, in verse uh, ten, he says, "Please, Lord, I've I've never been eloquent, uh, either in the past or recently, or hmm. since you have been speaking to your servant, uh, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish." Now that, that you you kind of wonder. Well, uh, Stephen said that he was eloquent; he was powerful in speech and word, and yeah. now forty years later. Moses is saying, "I'm sluggish in speech. I've got a thick tongue. I I can't. Of course, all he's spoken to in 40 years, besides his family, has been uh, sheep. Sheep. Uh, mm-hmm. He spends a lot of time alone, uh, day after day, where he just has to holler out stuff, instructions to his sheep. And uh, so now he now he feels like uh, I I I'm not a speaker. I can't do that. And of course, the big question is, well, which is right? You know, was Stephen right or was Moses right when he was 80?" because yeah. it seems like when Moses was a young man he saw himself as powerful in speech and an obvious leader that uh, people should recognize but now he's 40 years later he's like I'm not a leader I'm not a speaker yeah. I'm so did he change or did his perspective change uh now obviously he would have been rusty because he hadn't spoken uh, to any audience bigger than a flock of sheep for 40 years but uh but did he have that ability or did his perspective change? And I, yeah. I would suggest to you that oftentimes leaders, as the years go by, their perspective changes a bit and not always for the best. Uh, sometimes I find leaders, they become more cynical as they get older. They've, they've tried yeah. things and it hasn't worked. They tried to lead and people didn't respond. They tried to change things and it didn't work. People resisted change. And and so as you get older as a leader, when you were young, you thought you could change anything. Yeah. And now, you, now you're older and you start to get tired and you start to get cynical and you start to think, ah, you know, I tried that before. It didn't work. Yeah. And you can sometimes tell. And of course, le- older people sometimes can become famous for this. Uh, you get a lot of old people in your church. You want to change something well we tried that back in the 60s and it didn't didn't last didn't work or you know we we tried that and 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 uh and and nobody liked it and there was just a lot of grumbling why why even bother now uh, yeah you, you see this when
1: people have have perhaps had failures or had other people tell them that you can't do that or you can't do this and so then it's almost like it's their retribution on the younger people it's like well you know I got told this when I was your age, so I'm going to tell you this. Yeah. and 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 it's almost this this because they can't think of anything new to do,
0: they feel that it's their duty to yeah. to
1: poo-poo the. The the young sometimes the
0: uh, sometimes the change is, uh, is, sadly, you know, you'll have a young guy all excited, and it'll be the older guys saying, "Oh, you'll get over that." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know you're excited about what God can do in the church right now, but you'll get over that. Yeah. You'll you'll grow out of that, which is really sad when a when a person yeah. talks that way. And 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 uh, and, and what happens sometimes is you, you when you're young, you're driven by the future. Yeah. When you're old, you're in danger of being driven by the past. Mm now it's about not what could be what lies ahead in the future but uh 20 years ago i tried that didn't work yeah. uh, and so i'm still not trying it anymore you know 20 years ago i uh, had a failure and that failure still drives what i do now i and now you get a lot of older guys just wait until they retire you know at this point I, when i was in my 20s i was changing the world now i'm just putting in time till i can yeah. retire and, and and moses at that point is kind of putting in time he's just i've got couple of kids to raise uh i've got this little business and the sheep i'm running for my father-in-law uh you know when i was young i dreamed of changing the world but now i'm just just trying to put some more money aside my retirement fund and Mm -hmm. and working on getting ready to you know work on my golf game and i would say you both both perspectives if you go to extreme either you're overconfident in your youth you're out of touch with reality in your youth or maybe you you're you're also out of touch when you get old. You you've let yeah. the past now harden your heart, uh, take away your drive and your dreams and your vision. And uh, in both cases, if you if you aren't careful, you. Uh, you end up getting stuck in, a non, in an unrealistic kind of place that God doesn't intend. And and it's sad when you get older and you stop growing. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the signs that you've gotten old is that you just stop growing and you stop learning, you stop stretching, you stop dreaming. Um, and now, I know mm. some older leaders, they've never been more excited about what's happening. I mean, now they're because... They've, they've learned humility from over the years. They've learned to have realistic expectations. Yeah. Uh, but they've also come to know God, and they, and they know what God's capable of doing. And they've come to know themselves, and they know that if they stay in their lane and they do what God created them to do and what God's calling them to do, they realize, you know what, every time God has led and I've obeyed, it's always worked out. And yeah. so uh, I, you know, I just trust God with that. And so I would just kind of say to our listeners today, uh, w- where are you today? And by the way, it's interesting. D.L. Moody had a classic uh, statement on this. He said, Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody, 40 years learning he was nobody, and 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. Mm. Uh, and so I there's three segments of his life. First, he thinks way too much of himself. Then he probably thinks too little of himself and that he's not much. And then he realizes, wait a minute, uh, with God, even if you're a nobody, if you're just an ordinary person in the hand of God, anything is possible. And it takes uh, probably most of our listeners are in one of those places. Either we we think too much of ourselves and our ability and we're not relying enough on God and we're overestimating what we can do. Or maybe we've kind of gotten, uh, taken a few uh, you know punches to the gut here, and and leadership, and now we're timid and fearful, and we're not we're kind of afraid to step out. We're not dreaming like we used to. We've we become a little more cynical about how things will work out, how people will respond. Or maybe we're in that third phase where we've come to trust. Well, you know, life is hard. People don't always do the right thing. People don't respond to leadership like they should. But God, over the years, has still has demonstrated that uh, He can uh, use very ordinary, fallible people and still get some amazing things done. And so I just need to stay in harness with Him and abiding in Christ and just watch and see the miracles He does in my life.
1: Well, we're fortunate to have the account of Moses so that hopefully uh, for us and for our listeners, it doesn't take 40 years (laughs) uh, to learn each of those lessons. So thank you again, Richard. And uh, until next time.